Everybody, welcome to the 35th anniversary of the dawn of rinky dinking. Is that the uh, vulcanized rubber anniversary? It's like it goes silver, gold, vulcanized rubber. I believe that's it. it. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome inside uh, the rinky dinking rec center here. I am the polymathic podcast personality known as Daryl the Razor Boy Ray. Uh, with me as always, uh, fresh off his RD hosting gig, Mike, I find it interesting, Heika. It's true. Like Letterman uh, hosting the Oscars, I think you're one and done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm hearing good reviews. I'm, yeah. I'm hearing award season should... Uh... Yeah, well, that's that voice in your head. <laughs> and the meticulously fastidiously dare i say involuntarily uh piecing this all together jeff iphone concert footage totes some of the best iphone concert footage he's follow got, him on instagram he's got some facial hair working here today it's kind of uh kind of macho well it's the winter season he's got bangs like the head coach of the anaheim ducks right now too I figure we start with the meatiest happening uh, of the past week, and that being the benching and scratching of one Alexander Radulov, uh, and then you know turn around and and a performance on the other side of it again. But it is it is fascinating. Uh, I don't know I don't know where you. I mean, you have to write your stuff. Yeah. I have to say my stuff when this kind of thing rears its head, but. Uh, I would think in in some other markets, let's say in in a in a traditional or Canadian market, this is almost a traditional market down here. Now we've been here so long that this this would be an explosive controversy. Yes, and here it was just sort of all right, and I get it, and ouch, and let's move on. I think part of that is because people are starting to understand who Alexander Radulov is mm. and that maybe he does need just a little reset and it's not anything huge. It's just, you know, uh, you're wandering a little too far uh, off the trail and uh, we want to nudge you back over this way and it seems like a big deal but then everybody knows he's going to come right back in and play, you know, top six minutes again and, and probably actually be better for having sat, sat out so I think people understand the drill. Yeah. It's a bit like, uh, I don't know whether this is still what people do or not, but it's like when the puppy poops on the floor and then you rub its nose in it, try to teach it not to poop on the floor. Yeah. The irony of this one. I don't know if that's a very good analogy, but. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> well, I bring it up, though, because I. Yeah. it's not like this is just all of a sudden, you know what, we're going to scratch Alexander Radulov tonight. It's, it's a series of conversations, meetings, video, all these things that you know the coaches and you yeah. know Jim Montgomery has has done with Alexander to try to stop him from taking these 
unnecessary, avoidable penalties over and over and over again. Uh, I said it the other day on the broadcast. Like he is a, you're, you're basically dealing with an artist. Yes, and and you're coaching artists, quote unquote. And he's not the only one. I mean, this is old as the league it seems and there are many others around but he's this brooding moody russian artist uh, with game-breaking skills and almost maniacal approach to the game when you watch him prepare and in practice and what have you and somewhat unbridled passion which people fell in love with immediately and it's contagious yep when he when he harnesses it and it plays it the right way, uh, but he can also be very selfish and, and disruptive. Yeah, that, that's that's a lot going on in number forty seven. My daughter and I went to the Museum of Modern Art in Fort Worth oh, uh, last you. summer, and it was interesting because I, I I'm an old guy, right? So I kind of look at orange and purple squares and think that's really not art it's orange and purple it's squares. orange and purple squares yeah. but then we of course were taught a few things as we get, went through a tour and they said if i came to the piano and just started banging on the piano and you know with no rhythm to the keys you'd say that's horrible but if i went to the piano and started putting the notes in a certain order that made a beautiful song you'd go well that's beautiful and so their point is modern artist put these orange and purple squares in an order that they deem to be beautiful and it sounds like a symphony. All that's leading to is Alexander Radulov in his head thinks he knows what he's doing and we're watching and it looks like he's just banging on the piano but in his head he believes he is an artist and that all this stuff makes sense to him. But then again, art is in the eye of the beholder. Indeed. And whether it's just feces thrown against the wall and you look at it and you're like that looks like poop thrown on a wall somebody else goes oh my god it it talks about man's inward struggle with himself and uh an eschewing or a regurgitation of the waste and and how that affects the uh, circumstances that you're in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just goes on and on with this stuff. So, so you watch Radulov in warmups, and you think it looks like chaos. It is chaos. <laughs> but he Talk to thinks, his teammates. He thinks it looks I, beautiful. I love, that, that's the thing I love the most is that, like, for the most part, uh, athletes, certainly hockey players, are creatures of habit. You know, whether you call it superstitions right. or whatever. There's just order. There's a certain way that the guys come out of the room. There's a reason why Jamie Ben's the last guy out and what have you, and they fall in and they go through warm up. And if you're a new guy, you got to f- kind of find your place and how things flow here. With Alexander, every warm up, it's truly a box of chocolates yep. with him. Like you do not know what is going to be inside the chocolate cover this game because it's different every time. He's here, he's there, he jumps in line, he cuts people off in line, does whatever. I specifically watched the... It's crazy. ...the pregame skate after his scratch, and he moved from the left side to the right side, well, my right side that he's shooting on, and he's flinging pucks at the net while other line rushers are going. And you're like, doesn't that upset Ben Bishop? Doesn't that upset the other winger? Yeah, well, that's that's kind of where I distilled this thing down to is that you can't... the coaches understand this. You, it can't always be the coach right. that disciplines the the player or holds the player accountable. Because 
when you have that, you're still working on things as a as a group or as right. a team. When you get to the point where the peers handle this situation on their own and the accountability is internal, then you really got something going on. Correct. And I don't know that they're there yet. I, I like the fact that Alexander seems to recognize after the fact, you know, there's a compunctive aspect to him where he doesn't, I don't think he really likes to admit it immediately, but then you watch him the other night, just like last year when he was yeah. late and and uh, there was a certain amount of recalcitrance and how he dealt with the coach and, you know, he'd fight back all the time and argue. Not the only guy that does that, right. but comes back and he's brilliant the next game, hat trick against Colorado and they win four to nothing. This year comes back, goal and a helper on the power play and the stars yeah. win three to one. And he's a major reason why they win the game. So, you know, you can't keep going to that whip. <laughs> obviously and maybe this is just a one-off this year and and you get a, a consistent abiding player the rest of the way we'll we'll find out but i i would actually like it where the guys snap on him from time to time whether it's in practice or wherever and and bring him back into line it doesn't seem like that happens as much maybe it does internally right. behind the scenes that we don't see but we used to be able to to actually witness it from time yeah. to time. Yeah, exactly. And the other interesting part is if all the players are letting him get away with it, then that just makes it stronger for him to go, well, they don't mind. Yeah, they're complicit. Yeah. They're like, you know, Brad's is like, why should I listen to the coach? The players don't mind. Yeah. They they understand me. Well, he got good rest yes, and he, he came did. back uh, with a lot of energy and production, which brings us to another coaching item that that's near and dear to your heart. Yep. You just wrote about this, I did, did you not? So I urge all podcast <laughs> listeners to go to DallasStars.com if you're not there already and uh, read the words that have come and flowed from the fingers of one Mike Heike. The rest versus practice debate or decisions. Rest is a weapon, just like your power play is a weapon right. or big save goaltending is a weapon. In today's game, rest seems to be more so a weapon than it ever has been. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because it comes off the heels of basically the Players Association negotiating rest, you know, over a span of 10 years to the point where they have to get a day off every single week, which is, you know, or four in a month, uh, which is, you know, when you look at it, you're out there going like, so they're not doing anything? Well, think about they're it. They're not you're, coming in to lift weights or right, something? Right, right. They're playing... They're playing three games a week on right. average, probably, during the season. Is that about right? I think so. So three out of the seven days, you're actually playing the sport that you get paid to play. Right. And then another day, you can't do anything, and nobody can do anything. Correct. There's no – it's shut down for a day. Otherwise, they'd sneak around the rule a little bit. So you're, you're talking f only three other days in a week. Some of those are going to be travel days. Correct. Where you can actually – conduct a practice it's it's a window yeah and and it's funny that then they'll even choose uh i talked to rick bonus a lot about this and and you know they chose to have a fun day with no coaches on the ice in uh winnipeg mm -hmm. and you know then they come Oop, out and play it oopsie daisy. Oopsie, i mean that's what you're thinking right 
And but that's they, what I thought. I can tell you that they truly believe that you have to look at this in the big picture, and that one didn't work. But you know, look at how many of the other seven or eight times we've done this, and it has worked. It's so easy in hindsight, I though, know. isn't it? Because now, now they're going to say, and this is what uh, Monty said before the Islanders game, that that morning skate was the best energy they had, yeah. and you know, all year because they gave them the you know Friday off, mm-hmm. and so. I'm 60-40 on this thing. Where are you? It's ah, a good question. You know, it's funny because they asked me, okay, how would you coach this team on Hey Hike or whatever? And, and I would not coach it the way that these guys coach it. I would go with... I'd ride my superstars, I'd use my power play 130, and I'd have my best players out on it, and they're completely different. So I get that they have a different philosophy, and I guess the long-term answer is, is it working? Mm. Uh, I look back at the schedule, when the schedule's compacted, and they can't practice, and they're tired, they don't play as well. And that's probably for everybody. I bet. And so when it's not, and they can get the rest in, they're a much better team. I truly believe this is a hard way to play hockey. Like we watched Lindy's way, and it was hard on the defenseman. Go, 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 but also get back, get back, get back, get back. I think Monty's way is for the forwards, you got to be everywhere at one time. You got to be skating. That's why we want your 40 second shifts, because you're skating, skating, skating. Go over here. We need you over here. No, no, we need you back here. Oh, we yeah. need you over there. And so, if indeed you need that kind of energy, then. What voice is that, by the I don't way? Know. I'm is getting, that your I'm excited Monty voice? Or? We need uh, uh, Tom Holy, our good friend Tom Holy, yes. has uh, been imitating me this He's, last week, yes. and it's getting more and more high and squeaky. But, well, it's flattery. Yeah. My point is. If, if it's working for them and they can read the schedule, they're winning, so, uh, they're winning games. I mean, I, they are. I don't know how you judge that otherwise. They're not running away with anything with it. Okay, that goes to you a know, completely different subject well, is can't, can this team score? Well, hold it. We're okay. still on this I know, subject. I know. We're still on this subject. My God. I I'm all over the place. I'm like a modern artist <sighs> throwing paint. You are. You're the, you're the <laughs> Pollock of this thing. 60-40. The, the 60% is in favor from me fresher is better always always fresher is better and you you, i agree i concur you you, this group especially needs energy energy to be able to skate and skating is their is their top asset in a lot of ways and and that includes their defensive game like i think people misconstrue or maybe don't fully fathom how important skating in today's game and especially in this uh, team's style is is ultimately it's paramount because yeah. you you can have you can have attacking speed and it's easy to see right Guryanov or Hints or whoever just you know busting up the ice just hitting vapor and and it, it it's easy to spot defensive speed is as important as a group because essentially you're giving the other side no time or space right and the hustle to get back and and put that pressure allows your defenseman to stay up on the play so then you you get into the gap world where there's no real gap between your forwards and your defense so then you have this big mob essentially of players that the other side's trying to get through to get offense produced and then once they do get through that then they're either hurried or they're in a bad spot as to where they test the stars net minding. And you have, you know, two great goaltenders in this group right now. So that, that's why it's so important. There's a feeling now that, that certainly with this coaching staff, and I would think all coaching staffs, they can do so much work on video with 
today's players and with the tools that they have, do you really need to be out there going through the motions physically or can you just visually go through the motions and then save that energy and save your legs for the game? So I, I, I get that part of it. That's my 60. The 40, I fear that it breeds a softness and creates some sloppiness within your system because as much as you can do this on video you still i think the physical walking through of things there's a reason why football still has walkthroughs right Correct. like you have to you have to do some of that uh and it gets rid of some of the sloppiness it's always that debate and this has been going on for years you'll hear coaches talk about how well, we we need some downtime and we need some rest. We don't have enough legs and we don't have enough energy. And then when things start going sour that way, then it's like, wait, man, we haven't been able to practice in two weeks because of travel and this and the other thing. And we've given them some days off and you can see it in our systems. So you're, you're trying to strike some kind of a balance between that. What I, what I worry about a lot of times is that it, it just cultivates excuses. Yes. We're tired. Yeah. Like once you start introducing two athletes the the possibility that you're tired they start thinking they're tired it's right. just the suggestion of being tired yeah i think it works in everyday life like if you yeah if you looked at someone and and they are sitting there and they might look a little bit groggy if you said to them are you feeling a little bit tired they would they would probably concur and then yawn and then want to go have a nap but if you just say you have some kind of a vibrant approach to it, then I think that goes away. I, I like what the Blackhawks did during their championship years in, in dealing with this. Do you remember that? I don't. Well, that's why I'm here I to don't. inform you You're about a historian. It. Uh, I, I am a bit of a, a central division historian, let's say. They recovered between games. That was their recovery. So they would play the game. The next day, they wouldn't practice. They wouldn't even come to the rink a lot of times. So whether it was a scheduled day off or not, they just stayed away. And then they used morning skate as their uh, preparation. So it was a work day, and then it was an off day. And then it was maybe another off day, and then it was a work day again. Like when Patrick Sharp and those guys were here, came from there, they were like, we never practice. Now, you can do that when you're winning three of every four games, too. It's much easier to have, have time off. But I like that. I hate morning skate, so it's a, goes yeah, it goes in, against your thing. Yeah, but at the same time, I get it. So that you you're asking your players to mentally and physically dial in eighty two nights a year. Yeah, and the rest of the time they're giving themselves a mental respite, and they're telling their bodies that you know what this is going to refresh you going in. It worked brilliantly for them. My only fear is that I believe offense requires repetition, that to be able to pass well, to be able to shoot well, to be able to pick corners, yeah. you need to be I would there. agree with that. And so then this- I think the two positions that need that to interrupt you, and yeah. I'm good at that, I know. is is uh, scoring and offense and goaltending. Yeah. You need the repetition. And so then in, if, if we're sitting here going like, oh, they're shooting 6.9%, well, why is that? You know, are they practicing offense enough? Because you can't really practice shot blocking. No. You don't, nobody's practices shot blocking. No. I remember back in the day, they would bring out the sponge pucks. Remember that? If they wanted to do shot blocking practice, right. which was smart. So you're not breaking bones on your, your teammates. Or, or you're not going down face first. <laughs> well, that, that too. But you're, you're right though. That the repetition of that, 
You're absolutely right. That's a salient point it's by hard you, to Mike. I believe it's a very rare moment. Did you write about that in the no, in I the article? Not. See, that's that's why we <laughs> go over the top got, right. and give you the true goods. We drill down <laughs> in rinky dinking. The reality is this, and then we'll we'll take a little musical uh, break here and then come back with other stuff. That the game has become a race. It's just a race up and down the rink now. And the continuous, frenetic fight for the puck is what the game's all about now. It's it's not a slow it down, curl it back symphony, cerebral symphony, if you will. It's just about can you get there ahead of them, primacy over latency. Look at this guy. That was pretty good. Uh, It once was... It once was the the beautiful game. Is that what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not really. It was boring in long stretches because nothing happened. You couldn't create a scoring chance. Scoring chances at the end of a lot of games were like 8-5. <laughs> Think of that. It was terrible. It was like 8-5. And now the other night, uh, there were there were 20 scoring chances apiece. Yeah. The Chicago game, there was like 23 to 25 scoring chances. 50 scoring chances in a game. It's a lot. It's fun. They only scored two goals, though. That speaks to what you were talking about. Or All the, right. Or the goaltending. Well, more to what you were talking about. <laughs> goaltending was great back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll come back. We'll leave the bench. And uh, we'll role play on the other side of this. I can't control you. Right, role play. You enjoy that? <laughs> no. Well, we do it from time to time at the back of the floater bus. Not to pull the curtain all the way back to what goes on on our separate bus from the team bus when we're traveling about. But from time to time, we like to play either either uh, coach or GM. Yeah. And... Uh, Here's a question for the role-playing GM on the other couch here. Do the stars need a legit upper eshy? Is that how you would say it, Totsi? Yeah, instead of upper echelon. An upper eshy playmaking center. Playmaking center. I know what you're saying. Uh, the irony of that is that I thought Matt Zuccarello was a playmaking winger. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. I'm just saying... What he did to the team, one guy, I think, really did help create better puck flow and better offensive attack, which I think they needed last year as well. Maybe Mm. more so last year. Um, My biggest problem with that is I think they need uh, defensemen more. Um, I would love to have a... I know, I know, I know, I know. No, we get we let you host for one week, I know. and then all of a sudden you don't want to stick to the topic. You want to go to your own topics. Yes, I'm like the Alexander Radulov of podcast. You are. You're a disruptor. <laughs> I'm the cutting in line and so, everything. Yes, that would help. The, but you've got Tyler Sagan. Although, is he a better winger? Well, he's playing right wing. I know. And for all of of Tyler's greatness. I would not look at him and say that that is a p- 
playmaking no, center. He's a goal scoring center. He can make plays, yeah. and he can make plays better than a lot of people in this league. But he's more so a goal scoring pivot than he is a playmaking pivot. Much like Stahl is in Minnesota, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like he he's a finisher more so than a starter. Do they need it? Not necessarily. Okay. Right. I mean, if you look at this team and you see how they how they go about their business and that and where they're at and, you know, the run that they've been on since that rough yep. start. I mean, you look at it and go, well, what are you talking about, Razor? Like, they don't really need that, do they? Do they need something else? Would it help? Absolutely. Yes. I, I believe it, it would. Now, the problem with what they're trying to do is are they top nine are they top six do we need to define what the top six is and then what the roles of each person plays and can it be consistent it's been a weird setup that way because you have guys that come from being out of the lineup to in between your two highest paid players and and they move people here, there, all over the place. And that in itself screams a need for a playmaking center, doesn't it? The well, fact currently that- they just don't have what you would call a puck dominant playmaking center. Right. If you looked, if you said Tyler's a center iceman, not a not a right winger. That's not really his game. He doesn't really want to transport the puck an awful lot. Right. So Jason Dickinson is not really that. No. I mean. He's f- Phenomenal tracker and forechecker and all these things. Uh, Joe Pavelski's, if you stuck him in the middle, right. would probably be the closest to that. But he's, I think now he's played more wing than he has center, is yeah. he not? And then you also do have to wonder, okay, is that, do you want a playmaking center who doesn't really push the game? It doesn't have the speed to come out of the center hole, which I don't know if Joe plays like, that way. Rope Hints is not a play. He's, no. Does he have an assist? He doesn't have any on the road. No. It's yeah, nothing but goals. Yeah. Uh, Justin Dowling is kind of, yeah. but I think he leans more toward being a safety valve defensively, yep. and he, he'll distribute the puck, but not risky, over-the-top creative yep. with it. And that's just part of the role and a comfort level, I would think, more yeah. than anything else. Uh, Matthias Janmark played center the other night. I I don't know that that he would fit no. that mo either. You know, it's He's funny, a skilled it's, guy and everything, but Madonna back in the day obviously did it for the stars. But then on that U.S. Olympic team that played Canada, it was Hitch talked about it. Madonna did everything. He got the puck to Hull. Hull shot the puck. Leclerc cleaned up the garbage around the net, and that's how it went. Shift after shift after shift, and then Hitch. Cut off the head of the snake, shut down Madonna, and then nothing could happen because you shut down the playmaking center. Right. But that's how important having a playmaking center is because now it creates everything for the scores. Well, so who am I missing? Raddick? Raddick Foxa? He's not a playmaking no. center. He's a shutdown yeah. center. He's one of those guys that takes that away from somebody that he's playing on the other side. So basically what you're thinking, uh, in my mind anyway, what I'm thinking of is John Klingberg as a center iceman. Right. That, that's what you're, you're thinking of. Maybe it's changed, though. Uh, like, I went through the, the league and, and points. Not that points no. is the be-all, end-all. But team by team, I looked at who's, who is leading each team in scoring. Do you realize if you, if you include Tyler, right, who's been center mostly, but he's, he's been moved to the wing here recently and put up some numbers. If you include him, the caveat to my thought 
if you will. That should be a bumper sticker or something or a hashtag, caveat to the thought. That'd be a good hashtag. Wow. There are do only even do 11 centermen that are leading their team in points right wow. now. And that used to be the center number one center was always center of team. attention. Exactly. Center of the offensive universe for every team. There you go. And a lot of times it would be your top two centers, just bang, bang. Yep. Offensively. 11 of the 31 teams have a center Iceman. And it's tough nowadays to even decipher whether that person is playing center or playing wing because they're... We talked about this. Uh, I had a great conversation with Justin Dowling about it, how that has changed to where you you have forwards. Like the responsibilities now, even coming back into your own zone, it used to always be, okay, you know, your center iceman is expected to be here and come down low and support in this area and that. Now it's just the first forward. Yeah. Whatever the first forward back is, is the guy that's coming, tracking back. So it's it's a bit of a mishmash as far as responsibilities are concerned. But I, I found that fascinating that a lot of wingers and a couple of defensemen, right. like Carlson's leading the the Washington Capitals in scoring, yeah. are leading their teams in offense. Yeah. And, and even sometimes assists. Like I said, to me, Matt Zuccarello was a playmaking winger. You could actually make the argument that Radulov's a playmaking winger. He is. Yeah. And so that sometimes you just have to change it around. You have to hang on to the puck and make plays right. in order to follow through on being a playmaking <laughs> winger. I, I agree with that. So where did we land on this? That they need a, a defenseman. That's, that's what you want to talk about. Well, I just the think... The answer to w- whether the Stars need a playmaking center was they need a defenseman. That was my, Mike fir- that was my first answer. Jeez. But I, I rethought myself and... For the interest of the podcast, is, did you rethink it? You don't really believe it, though, do you? That they need a defenseman or that they... I don't know. That I rethought it. You know well, what? you even you shot down your own idea. Did I? Yeah, you said you said now you could sit there and say that they need this, and y- your first answer is no. no. No, but that's what people. That's the the oh, beauty of how people, people do this. It. A lot of times, when people are interviewed nowadays, the 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 ultimate cop out is to ask questions and then answer them yourself. I like that. I, I don't. You like that? Yeah. How am I being annoying? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> Don't you get a kick out of that? <laughs> I do. Are we a are we a hockey team that that should be better offensively? Sure, we are. Sure, we are. Can we get there? I think we can. Do we need to change the personnel on our team in order to get to that spot? I don't know that answer right now. I think I I believe in what we have here right now. Do we have enough of what I believe in? Maybe not. Should we look for help from the outside? <laughs> That's a question for somebody else, honestly. I, I have to deal with what I have in front of me right now. Is it what I would prefer? Maybe not, but I'm not comfortable uh, stating that in a public forum right now. Uh, are we the only team that is dealing with this right now? Of course not. Are there a lot of teams that wish they were in our position right now and didn't have to worry about you know, player X or, or player Y? Sure. Can I add at, on that last point, and this is the same with politics and everything else, <laughs> why do we always have to compare ourselves to somebody else? Because, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. well, yeah, we're not scoring, but but look but at... hey, how about them? <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, no, let's talk about you. <laughs> Misery loves company. That's, that's what why. it is. Uh, so, uh, and the holidays love 
the home. The home for the holidays and, and the warm glow of a, of a toasty fireplace and the house all decked out in, in uh, garland, trees trimmed and what have you. Just a cozy, cozy atmosphere. I like cozy. Yeah, so do I. That's what American Airlines Center has been for both the Mavs and the Stars. What a transition. Isn't it? Play some holiday music, if you will, uh, Totsi Magotsi. We'll come back and talk about just how welcoming American Airlines Center has been for the holidays. I'm dreaming... Of a winning Christmas with all the hoops and hoopla. Where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear bells in the snow. Again. We are home for the holidays. We should do a Christmas album, you and I. Maybe this is it. No, that's upcoming, right? In the yeah. coming weeks, we'll do our, our annual Christmas show. Can I do a Christmas wrap? Which is, yes, <laughs> we would we would love that. Christmas wrapping of the presents. Uh, for the Stars and Mavs, home is American Airlines Center. It has been uh, built in what would really the dawn of the new millennium, I believe, is when that edifice was constructed just off of 35 and it uh, houses one championship team yeah true 2011 the Mavericks but this year fueled by a couple of 20 year old sensations and foreigners yeah American Airlines Center has become more than a center it has become a winatorium now this Mavericks team screwed up my entire diatribe by losing last night at American Airlines Center. But that's merely a small blemish, something Hiccup. that you can cover up. Yeah. You don't you know, you don't even need to order OxyClean to get rid of that one. Uh it, it has been quite a run. Yeah. I mean, doesn't matter what night you go to American Airlines Center, you leave happy, it feels like. I think that's important, too. I do, too. I mean, like, the home fans want some wins. This is the first time I can remember that both teams are this good at the same time. Yes. At home. Correct. Yeah, they they, they have... Uh, Stars were great at Reunion Arena back in the day, and the yeah. Mavericks were the worst sporting franchise on the planet. Correct. So, And then the Mavericks went through whatever, eight 50-win seasons, and the Stars had we're, one run to the playoffs. Yeah, we're struggling. So the Mavs' advantage, Luca. Yep. Stars' advantage, Miro. Yep. Matched versus whichever you want to match against, which you can do better at home. The FCC line, yep. I think, has helped. Very much so. You know, anytime you can sick your checking line on the top offense on the other side it's going going to help bishop in goal and then the excellence amplified by stars fandom and i truly believe in that this this city when teams are going well has some of the greatest fan support you could hope for yes I agree. And it's funny, I give Brad, and you and Brad are good friends, but like I give him a lot of compliments on getting this started before they even started winning. Like this building, three years, four years now, is 
pretty much full every home game. And that was not an easy task to build that off of, you know, some of the seasons where they weren't that good. And I think the marketing staff and Brad and everybody else has gotten people to care about this team, and that's important. Yeah, and and, and kept them Yes, through some, you know, ebbs and flows that have gone on. But just the fact, I think they're – of the last 20 home games for the Mavs and Stars combined, there have only been three losses, I yeah. believe. Three or four losses. That's that's staggering. Yeah. That's Beantown level. Well, and I think that's what you need to do to establish yourself, you know, not only as a good franchise, but as a team that could win in the playoffs. You need to make this... court, home, ice, advantage. Now, it it has been proven that it doesn't matter. (laughs) Everyone bangs their heads all season long to get home ice advantage, and then you lose one of the first two, and it's gone. Yeah. And if you look at, in our sport anyway, I don't know how it is in basketball, but certainly in our sport, the it doesn't matter where you're playing. Yeah, It really doesn't. It's the same home and road. But it does matter to your fans. You want your customers to yeah. enjoy what, what they're consuming and how they feel at the end of the night. Yeah. There's nothing worse than being a, a pretty good road team and a rancid home team. Yeah. It's funny. I you yeah. You know, I get tickets for family members here and there, and it's just so funny when they don't win. Like it's like I came all the way down here and they didn't win, and I go, yeah, well they won the previous nine before you started yeah, coming or whatever. Yeah. Maybe so, it was you. Yeah, but it, it's just it's amazing how much it changes the experience of you know you drove downtown, you've had to find a parking spot, you you know yeah. I mean it's a time, commitment. It's a commitment, and if they win, then you're like, yes, that was well the, worth it. The thing I like. Uh, from our perspective is that it, it does not feel like a transaction with our fans. It, it feels like we're, they, they've done a terrific job, everybody involved in making this feel like we are all in this thing right. together here. Like, and it, it is just a sea of green most nights at American Airlines Center. Like it feels truly like, like it, it's an intimidating environment for the opposition they're starting to get to where they come out and dust people early yep and dominate and then dictate the rest of the way which what hasn't been the case for a long time uh, so it's it's good stuff yeah I like it fun yeah sports should be fun it should it should what isn't fun is what we'll conclude on unfortunately but we should touch on it before we go away because they are meeting in Florida as we record this the Board of Governors. Uh, number one on the agenda, a serious conversation, and I would think debate regarding hockey culture. And uh, it's forcing a change in what is perceived as tough versus acceptable more than anything else. The racism stuff aside, and that's obvious. Correct. And nobody has, there's no debate going on. Right. There's just no place for it in our sport any sport unfortunately it does permeate society and you know i watch a little bit of of epl and and man it is nasty over in in europe with that in soccer like it's yeah. unbelievable like how it's 2020 almost i know it, it really is disgusting but th- that's that's the obvious part of it the more nuanced one is what they're probably going to to drill down on and come up with what? 
I think you have to sign certain documents. Um, I don't know exactly how every contract's written for players or for coaches. And I think that's the the big question now is the wording in a coach's contract is going to be, you know, a little bit stronger. But basically, put it in a manner in which you know you don't have any gray areas mm. and say this is what our organization stands for, and you need to well, be there, on board with that. Th- th- there are already clauses in in players and and anybody's contracts about that in in certain aspects what it seems like they need to get defined rules on are the difference between discipline and abuse yeah but that's how they did it in school true right i mean like when we were we went to kids our teachers could spank us yeah and then i you know if your parents got a call your parents were mad at you right they weren't mad at the teacher right you know isn't that the truth (laughs) yes They were like, how dare you make me come in here from work? Oh what did God. you do wrong? Of course. And, like but, you, if, of course. But now. Always. And it didn't matter. Like, you didn't argue as a kid that you, you Mr. Blackwell, l- l- do you know what he said? And what, I don't care. Right. I had to come in here and grab you and I wished he'd, I'll hit you harder than he hit you. Correct. And it doesn't so, happen anymore. No, and so that happened in schools, and this is over. You People know, tw- would go to jail now. Over, over twenty that. year span, and so I imagine in the next ten to twenty years, it'll happen in the NHL. Unintended consequences, though, are are what they have to. I I don't like that. They have to make sure of because through the very best of intentions, you know, you, you try to bubble wrap the issue, if you will, legally, litigious nature of society yep. might rear its head somewhere around there man that's you got a, a battalion of lawyers much brighter than you and i yeah and all these people that that are kind of the guardians of our game are gonna have to come up with with the answer to that well and what's interesting to me is the you know discipline from something you did 15 years ago i think robin liner talked about this a little bit yeah is that, you know yeah this is what the society of ho- hockey was. This this wasn't seen as anything yeah. wrong. It's about being years progressive, ago. right? Right, and and forward. I agree. You have to move forward, but then to say something happened ten or fifteen years ago, yeah. and now we got to discipline the it. Statute now. of limitations on some of these things are. Well, and again, how many? Like, if somebody really wants to talk out about every single coach, are we going to have to fire every coach in the league? Well, I and I I would say this too. It's it's a two way street. It you know it, it hasn't come up that way, right. but it goes the other way too. Yeah, players, not just coaches to players, but the other direction. Yeah, well, players to players too. And I that, think that was a big yes, deal. Yes, very much so. I'll say this, and then we'll just get out of here. I don't want to talk belabor and and talk. It's important stuff, but yeah, I don't know. It's it can be a slippery slope, and it's also just for other people to distinguish exactly where we're going with this thing until somebody asked me my opinion about it, I guess. But I'll say this, our sport, the the treatment of women in our sport, in journalism and broadcasting is, has been for the most part impeccable. Correct. Like I remember back when women first started coming into dressing rooms and locker rooms and sports and how poorly they were treated by the other sports and how well they were accepted by hockey, so much so that when a newspaper, and you could probably speak to this even even better than I, when a newspaper or a broadcasting outlet wanted to uh, wanted to break in a female, a, a young female reporter or broadcaster, the safe place to send them was to hockey. Yeah, 
because our players would respect them and talk to them and not be condescending to them like the other sports were. Yeah. And I w- I've always been proud of that. I think it's actually, I, I shouldn't say they, it's just an obvious, when I'm in Canada, there is an immense resp- respect for women up there that sometimes you don't see in the United States. Like I just, I think you're a very polite, kind, accepting people, you people in Canada. <laughs> well, Hike is gone. <laughs> We're going to have to get rid of Mike. But my That's po- too bad. My point being is. It's been it, a good run for you, Hikes. And I being around hockey, maybe it is just hockey. That's the sport of hockey. But I the think people are need- really nice. Yes, I agree. I mean, we're around it, so we, obviously we think more of it. Yeah. But there's a need for more women in front offices in our sport. It started, but man, there's not enough. There are not enough women involved. Yeah. Uh, and in coaching too, it helps. It, it would help immensely in in all of this. And then the the simple concrete guidelines are, you know, hockey loves rules, so if they can come up with with uh, proper guidelines to to conduct, and if we can empower more women within our sport in powerful positions, yep. not just token positions, then I think we're going somewhere. And uh, you know, again, I'm I'm surprised at times that as much comes out in our sport from behind the curtain yeah. as does, but that's that's the change. I blame totes for all of this. <laughs> It's the millennials. Be human, Daryl. Just be a good human. That's what I always say. We'll give you the final word on all this, uh, Jeff. He's just shaking. <laughs> he's just shaking his head. Of course, nobody wants to tread too deeply on this. It is a difficult. It topic. is. It's hard to talk about. And and yet, uh, it's. I've got myself fired just in it, the last. It's important. Yeah. Well, it's been fun working with you on the podcast, and you're welcome in Canada going forward. Oh, good. I, good luck in the United States. And good luck to all of you. Until next week, uh, this is Rinky Dinking for my cohort, former podcast uh, partner, Mike Heike, and of course the great Jeff Totes. Wonderful bangs and a good flow going this morning that you can't see on the podcast. Just trust me. Trust my eyes. Trust my vision. We'll talk to you all next week. Wow.